Should we do warm-ups, though? Like what? I don't know. I've seen it in movies, you know, like they do tongue twisters. <laughs> How now, brown cow? Yeah, that's something like that. What's another one? S- something about the seashore, down by the seaside. Oh, sea- seashell, seashell by the seashore. That's it. Seashell, seashell by the seashore. Yeah. How much wood would a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? That's pretty good. I don't know that one. No? No. I'm, I've heard it, but I'm not going to say it. Oh. Okay. We've never tried. Yeah. How much wood would a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? Got it. Oh, that was just random. I don't think that was actually <laughs> that right. Was I think it's different every time we say it. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Uh, okay, here we go. All right. What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for tuning in to the Sweat Local podcast brought to you by Movement Strength. I am here today with Mr. Luke Amaral. Luke? Lucas? Is Luke your full name? It's just Luke. It's just Luke. Not just Luke. It's Luke. Oh. Own it. Uh, (laughs) And we're going to do the same thing that we've done with some of our other trainers here, uh, which is just do a bit of a deeper dive into Luke and Luke's fitness journey and his love of all good healthy foods oh great <laughs> perfect uh okay so thanks for joining us today luke oh thanks for having me appreciate you hopping on it's a pleasure to be here isaac uh, it's, it's <laughs> in your office <laughs> uh okay so first question is the, the same question i sort of ask everybody which is just tell me a little bit about your i guess your relationship with fitness and how you've come to be who you are today from a fitness standpoint Okay. Yeah. So it starts, um, it starts back in, I'd say grade seven and you have to understand before, before that time, I didn't really do anything other than run around outside and climb trees. When I was, when I was younger, organized sports wasn't a thing. Um, and so at around kind of grade seven, I started getting into volleyball and, and track and field, uh, just at elementary school. And then I think it was in grade eight, a friend of mine and I, Keegan Hep, uh, actually started pumping iron, old school, <laughs> yeah. uh, which basically just meant that we went to the local YMCA yeah. and did dumbbell bench press. Actually, yep. it was probably barbell bench press. Uh, and then it, I think, became a lot more serious for me when I went to high school because high school for me meant football. And, uh, what I figured out about myself was that I always wanted to try to be the best, um, or at least perform my best. And so inevitably, inevitably that meant that I trained, um, in the off season for football and I, because Keegan and I had already started in grade eight, naturally, I just continued to work out. Obviously the training that I did then looks a lot different than the training that I do now. So what was it about football that attracted you to it? Was it just one of those things like you're a guy in high school at the time, the cool thing was to play football. So you're like, I'm going to try to be on the football team. Yeah, or was a, it like I loved watching football on TV? My dad was a big football fan. That's a good question. Uh, my dad was definitely a big sports guy. Like he was very active. Uh, he was always watching sports when I was around him, whether that be hockey or football. Shout out Derv. Derv. <laughs> so uh, maybe there's there's part of that there. But I don't know. Honestly, I remember like running routes and, and passing the ball around with, with Keegan like in grade eight. I think the summer after grade eight, rather going into high school. So there was always that allure uh, when it came to football for me. And I think it was the most serious sport that I ever had. Mm-hmm. Um, well, actually in my life, 
like I had dabbled in track and field in high school, but football seemed to be the thing that, that really stuck that I got really, really excited for. So you never did like in elementary school, you know, the hundred meter dash or <clears throat> stuff like that. Like it was you nothing, no recreational sport, nothing till about grades. I think it was about grade seven. Um, I did, I think, I think it was like, was it a thousand meters that we ran maybe in elementary school? It wasn't, it wasn't a sanctioned distance <laughs> yeah. like there is in high school. <laughs> 375. Yeah, exactly. 1,075. So <laughs> there was like a, a mid kind of distance in there. And then there was a, a hundred meter dash. It wasn't super fast. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, until grade seven though, there was really none of that. I mean, again, it was just me running around outside, maybe snowboarding, doing stuff just in my own with my own guidance so you were always active yeah i guess in some capacity i was i was always active for sure it just wasn't from an organized sport perspective yeah but i was if i wasn't if i wasn't climbing trees i was running around with my cousins and yeah, yeah, yeah i was always getting outside for sure okay that's good so then grade nine you start football mm-hmm. and that's sort of when you started doing some additional training on your own yeah, I started strength training just before that in grade eight, but I definitely got more serious. It got more structured. There was more guidance. Grade nine and grade 10 were less serious, obviously, than grade 11 and grade 12. And then even going into grade 13 were just because the, I don't want to say the stakes were higher, but it meant more if you could be stronger, if you could be faster, mm-hmm. especially at that at that higher level when you get to the senior, you know, the senior football league. And what, what school did you go to? Well, CCH, only the, the, the only school. I don't even know what that is. What is that? Catholic? Catholic so, Central High oh, School. Oh, there we go. Sweet. Yeah. Uh, so they take their, their football pretty serious? Yeah, very serious. It's, it's, it's something that's truly year-round. I mean, from s- September to, well, before September, because training camp would happen in August, all the way up until, you know, we win Wasa or Offsa or Cities, which is normally inevitable. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Everybody else who went to a different high school is now turning off the podcast. Uh, it'd be pretty serious there, but training for the next season would start pretty much when the second semester started, which I think was, I think February or something like that. We were already hitting the weight room and starting to run routes and not, not sanctioned football practices, but everyone sure. was getting after it. And that was just kind of the expectation. The expectation was high. The expectation was that we were going to win cities every year. So when, uh, when you say like hitting the weight room, was there like a program that was given to you by the school or was it just every man on his own? No, for sure. There was a program and they're, they're about that. They're about providing guidance for, cool. uh, for the athletes. I think now they even like, they even have breakfast for them and protein yeah. shakes. Wow. And, yeah. It's pretty crazy. Again, they take it fairly seriously. Yeah. That's great. Uh, so yeah, there was a guided program and up until I would say grade 12, I followed that. And so that was more, that was more old school hypertrophy yep. strength based and go through different phases is a lot more traditional like weight room work. It's like buys and tries. Back, yeah, exactly. Chest, like back and chest, legs. buys and tries, squats. It was, it was great programming. It was really good. Like it gave us a lot of guidance. Uh, I think it was in grade 12 where the the crossfit realm kind of popped up to me and i started switching my training mindset so before we talk about that because i think that's like a pretty big portion of like your fitness career for sure in quotation marks um you like so the 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 program you were given by cch was there anyone there to actually give you guidance on how to move properly or was it like a youtube video google ask jeeves whatever it was back then 
Well, one, you have to understand that it's more, it was more basic. I think it's more advanced now. And when I say basic, I mean more classical. Yes, sure. Yep. When I say advanced, I mean cleans. Yeah, more functional. Push press. Sure. uh, More Olympic weightlifting based movements, which in in my opinion, I don't really think that they need to do. Uh, But with that being said, uh, it was more basic. We did have guidance. There was always, from my recollection, a coach that was there. They weren't necessarily like a strength and conditioning coach, although... Uh, their goal is always to get a wide variety of volunteers who can fill in those different roles. So there would have been someone who had a bit more of a specialty in strength and conditioning. Yeah. They might not have been there all the time, but we would have, uh, we would actually have Sunday night practices. I think it was starting in February all the way until the end of school season where we would do routes, hit the weight room, watch game film from previous seasons and start really like planning and hashing things out. Okay. So there was some guidance for sure. Cool. So, um, would you say that sort of sparked an interest for health and fitness in your life? Like, is that one of like the founding reasons why you decided to take more of a career with health and fitness? Did it start there? Did it start somewhere else? No, I think so for sure. I think, I think having the leaders that I had as coaches, from a football perspective, so like our head coach, Cercelli, uh, and even other coaches that we worked with, that in itself was really inspiring to work with people from a coaching relationship. That was really cool. Mm-hmm. The, I think the other thing, though, was because there was such, such an emphasis on the strength and conditioning realm in order to prepare and be the best at the sport, that was really interesting and intriguing to me. So I think it was like grade 12 that I received a fitness award or maybe it was grade 11. It was just because I was so frequent in the gym. It just, it just became natural for me at that point. It It was, it was habitual and I really did enjoy it. So on a daily basis after school, it was exciting for me to be able to go up there and train because I wanted to, I wanted to start, I wanted to excel at the sport. I wanted to lead and eventually be a captain. And so it just kind of naturally laid this foundation for me to, to really enjoy that. So then grade 12, grade 13, you find CrossFit. Yeah. And how did you hear about CrossFit? You know the movie 300? Yeah. So it took me a second, I'm like 300. Yeah. Like, so oh, 300 was, uh, I guess, a pretty big movie in that all the people were super jacked. Yeah. And what we had found out at the time was those people, uh, so Gerard Butler, I guess, was the main yeah. actor. They worked with a company or a gym called Jim Jones. And, and they were essentially, weren't, they were not a CrossFit affiliate, but they were essentially doing CrossFit styled workouts. Yeah. So that was the first, the first time that I really knew or figured out what CrossFit was. And that was really interesting to me because I was like, well, these guys are super jacked. They look really fit. Yeah. Uh, I want to do that. I want to be like that. And my, one of the coaches that we had, Mark Regan at the time mentioned CrossFit London. Mm Mm-hmm. And he was like, hey, there's actually a CrossFit gym in the city. I was like, what? He's like, yeah, he blew it up. He was like, yeah, it's crazy. It's big. It's got this massive garage door. They've yeah. got ropes hanging from the ceiling. This is their first. This first. is the first location. <laughs> so I was I was eventually thinking about this place as like this huge, massive warehouse. I mean, you've yeah. seen different things on YouTube yeah. in early. This would have been early 2004. Or even just no, 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 2007. London today is pretty big. 2007. It would have been yeah. 2007. Yeah, for sure it is. And so I reached out to, 
I reached out to the owner and uh, got really excited about it. And I remember the first day that I was going there, I couldn't find the place. Yeah. There was no signage. Yeah. And it, it, you know how small it is. And so I just couldn't actually locate the gym. Yeah. So I'm trying to call him on my phone and I can't get a hold of him. <laughs> and so finally I roll in and this, this gym is like 400 square feet. Yeah. Like it's tiny. Yeah. There is a rope hanging from the ceiling, but there's no garage door. There's no <laughs> sign on the window. You have to understand that Dave had just opened his actual phys- physical location. Yeah. I and think this was maybe how many two years months ago. before. This was back in 2007. Yeah. So CrossFit is very new at that time. Oh, for sure. Especially yeah. in Canada, especially in London, right? In California, a different story, but very new. Yeah. I mean, Jason Kalipa probably had a wooden rig at that point. Yeah. If you look back at his videos. <laughs> oh, that's right. right. That's yeah, not even does. a lie. That's legit. That's he, true. There yeah. was a wooden rig. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So you find the location finally. Yes. You walk in. Yes. What was your first workout? Do you remember? Yeah, I do. It was... Four rounds for time. It was a 500 meter row, and I believe it was 50 air squats. And I remember thinking, this is so silly. Yeah. Because I had trained, right? Sure. I did so much strength training. I, I saw myself as very fit. I had already received the fitness award. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm thinking, man, I'm going to absolutely destroy this do work. They and know I'm going to crush am? it. Yeah. It's like, you want, you want me to do air squats? I was like, bro, I was just doing back squats <laughs> with 225 for 20 reps. <laughs> Uh, and so it crushed me Yeah, because I went into the mentality with complete ignorance. I had no idea yeah. what would happen and I had never rode before in my entire really? life. No, at this point well, I had never con- been on yeah. an erg. Yeah. Yeah. Cause why would I have really, I don't yep. think it was a big thing. We definitely didn't have them at the school. We always had lots of equipment donated to the school by, I think especially the YMCA, but never ergs. So I hit this workout just hard, as hard as I can. Cause that's what I knew to do. And I just remember, I just remember finishing it and having that blood taste, that kind of yeah, iron yeah, nickel yeah. Uh, or penny taste, copper taste in my mouth after the workout. And at that point I was like, well, I feel like I've been doing the wrong things. Yeah. And so I stopped training, uh, with the team and I started training at CrossFit London. And I would say that's like one of my biggest regrets. Um, but also why I'm here today. Yeah. That's really cool. And then you were doing CrossFit style training for how long? Like, what did it look like after? So now we're done high school. What is your journey? So that was, that was at the end of grade 12. I did CrossFit to prepare for my next uh, football season. And that's why I said it's one of my biggest regrets because I know that I could have prepared better likely with the team. Yeah. Like sports specific. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so then in grade 13, I stopped doing CrossFit because football became a thing. And then... When I finished, when I finished the season, uh, I ended up going, I joined the military. Oh yeah. I joined the military. Yeah, that's that's right. right. So I finished my grade 13 year, uh, in January and I shipped out to basic training in February in Quebec, middle of the winter. Lots of fun. (laughs) So fun. Sounds warm. (laughs) Very warm. Very warm. Very warm. Early morning runs in the winter is super good. Did you find that CrossFit helped you with, um, yeah, I can already see a green. You already know what I'm going to ask. Did it help you with like your military training or anything like that? CrossFit got me into the military. Mm -hmm. So you you and I've talked about this before, but basically since high school, I've always aspired to be a firefighter. And so when I was training at CrossFit over the summer, after my grade 12 year, 
I was talking to people who were firefighters or aspiring firefighters. And one of the things that they said was reserve experience, military reserve experience would Mm -hmm. be really good because listen, you're 18 years old. You're not going to become a firefighter anytime soon. You need to work on building your resume. Yeah. And so I was like, yeah, okay, cool. I didn't really want to go to school for firefighting per se. And I didn't really want to go to university because I didn't know what I wanted to study yet. So the reservist thing became a natural component for me and they were all infantry guys. So, you know, front line with a rifle. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, that's cool. Let's do this. Yeah. And they were all about that. Like you should join the infantry. It would be great. I remember Dave was like, you're going to have three choices. You should just put infantry, 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 <laughs> and you'll, you'll get that spot. Yeah. And so that's what I did. That was my intention. And Uh, when I went in, as you know, that was different. Essentially what happened was I saw a photo on the wall, uh, just before entering the recruiting center and it was of two divers. And I thought to myself, well, I feel like scuba diving would be more relatable to firefighting with at least confined breathing apparatus and being underwater than infantry would. And so after my aptitude test, I asked if that was an option. And so that's actually how I got into scuba diving as an, as a Navy reservist, which was CrossFit. So for people who don't know, including myself, like that area of the military, like what would you do? So my official title was port inspection diver. So basically we would do port inspections. So if they had, let's just say U.S. ships coming into Canada, we would inspect the port to make sure that it was clear. We would do other miscellaneous tasks as well. Like we might do prop cleanings. We might do hull cleanings. Um, we might do any kind of seabed searches. Mm-hmm. So there's a variety of, of, of tasks uh, that we would that we would do, but it, we wouldn't get into like underwater welding. We wouldn't yeah, do yeah, yeah. explosive disposal or ordnance. That was not what we yeah. did. We were uh, we were the smaller tasks. So I'm very uneducated when it comes to these types of bits so if there is like a war going on what like how do you guys get called in sorry if that's a silly question no i just have no idea no that's fine because i feel like the conception for everybody is if you're a reservist you're going to be you're going to go to some sort of war for sure uh, which isn't the case unless there was something on a world war scale like we've seen in the past, which, you know, obviously knock on wood, we hope sure. to never see again, but like a world war one, a world war two, uh, where what's going to happen most likely is that everyone's going to get drafted anyways. Yeah. So basically what it would be, let's just say Afghanistan, cause it was a little bit more recent. That's right. Uh, Afghanistan happens as a reservist. The only real way that you're going to go there is by volunteering to do so. So if you have an aspiration to go, and you actually put in uh, a request form to get sent to do a job, if and if they have a job that you can actually do, so not just going to send you there for any reason. And what would be the job of a a diver? Well, uh, as a port inspection diver, I don't really know that we would do something specific to our trade. It might be gotcha. a lot more general. Okay. If you're a clearance diver, a big role that clearance divers had who are essentially the, they are the full-time divers of the military. This is what they've committed to doing for the rest of their lives. Uh, They had a big explosive ordinance role. So they would actually, like if you've seen Hurt Locker, I think that would be the most realistic comparison, not to say that they are (laughs) crazy minded, like the the main actor is. They're a lot less reckless than that, of course. 
Uh, but it would be similar to that. They would be like IED disposal. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. That yeah. makes sense. That's just what they do. They're explosive disposal. Obviously, they do it underwater, but they just have such a carryover because of that. So they would work with combat engineers. I, I would I would wager to guess who would who would who would work in a similar capacity. Okay. So you were in the military for how long then? So I was in the military for nine, just under nine years. Okay. I released more recently. I think it was back in 2017. Are you looking at the... May 2017. He's looking at the little certificate of service that's right beside his head in our office. Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and so you asked, you know, did, did CrossFit help though with the military? And I would say yes. I didn't really answer that question. I just had mentioned that it got me into the military. Mm-hmm. But for any of you who have done CrossFit, you know that you can get into some pretty dark places when you're doing workouts. And it's really cool when it comes to being able to overcome things and I guess really take, you know, a hit to the shoulder or or to the chin. And so that kind of mental aspect, I think, developed at that young age while doing CrossFit. And that was certainly a big thing that carried over into the military. So I think what it meant was when I went to things like basic training, diver training, um, my naval courses, it just meant that I had this fitness that always carried me through and it allowed me to actually like enjoy the experience versus being beat up by them. So you, you're doing CrossFit. That's right. You did CrossFit for quite a while. You're still not to say you're still doing CrossFit, but you've been dabbling in and out of CrossFit for quite a while now. Um, what are some other sort of, I guess, fitness feats that you had after high school? Like how did you fill that void of, all right, well, I'm not playing football anymore. What am I going to do? That would be CrossFit. It would be mostly CrossFit. So after, after high school, I joined the reserves and once I was through basic training, because we didn't really have any control over our fitness when we were in basic training, it was more so just, here's what you're going to do. Yeah. But as soon as that finished, uh, my mindset was to get right back into CrossFit. So I think when I came back to London after St. Jean, Quebec, uh, I got back at CrossFit London and I started training again. And that was my outlet because you know this, like old school traditional CrossFits and in a lot of CrossFits today are very competitive. Yeah always throwing down with people, yep. always about the competition. So that was my, that was my big outlet. And then I, I just kind of dabbled back and forth with, I guess my other outlet was the military. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like a big thing for me was I did uh, a Naval environmental course, which is like where you learn how to tie knots and fight fires on ships. And then I went back to, I went back to London in between contracts. And for me, it was getting ready for my dive course. That was going to be the next big physical fitness feat. Because the dive course is six weeks in length, uh, and it's rigorous. Uh, you know, you're running everywhere that you go. Uh, you're doing multiple workouts in a day, because part of it is that they're trying to induce stress, mm-hmm. right? And they can't obviously fire bullets at us, and so they're trying to they're trying to induce this physical stress to kind of break down the psyche, test your discipline, and really make sure that you're going to be a good fit for the trade. Because uh, the diving trade has always been seen as something that is and has a high level of physical fitness. Um, and so that was my big feat was getting ready for that course. And, uh, and after that, uh, it was just about getting back into CrossFit. That's when I got back into the city, back into London. And I actually started working as a CrossFit coach. Sorry, Jade was just asking for the measuring tape. That's okay. <laughs> uh, okay, so that's when you were coaching actual CrossFit. Yeah, once I did several kind of courses back-to-back in the military, um, 
finished off diving just before diving i was i was in vancouver working uh, i was essentially like force protection or security for the olympics yep uh which was isolated to uh force protection at a place called hmcs discovery so it was like the headquarters for the military i wasn't downtown or anything like that so when i got back from all of that stuff uh is when i really started to get into fitness from a coaching role yeah that's when i started coaching at crossfit london and that would have been in 2011. So from about 2009 okay. to 2011, it was, it was dominantly military contract after contract after contract as a reservist, you don't necessarily have anything guaranteed. It's yeah. all shorter term. And that brings us to 2011 where I was like, all right, well, I really enjoy CrossFit. I want to start teaching it now. Gotcha. And then is that when you started teaching it, is that when you got a little bit more serious with it as well? Yeah, it's it's actually funny. I came back to I came back to London in 2011 and we had this super fun gymnastics day planned at Forest City. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> and so right when I got into teaching CrossFit, uh I was, you know, trying to be awesome and um I want to say balance on a BOSU ball, but that's not actually how it happened, but I was doing a squat on a BOSU ball and I remember falling. And I fell with my hand outstretched in a way that it did not feel good. Uh, and so I remember Merritt looking at me and being like, you should never fall like that again. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, no, you're probably right. Like it didn't feel good. Yeah. And so the night ended off with us running around playing this lava tag game where we were running from, you know, uh, boxes, but the soft boxes to soft boxes and there was trampolines in the yeah. mix and Someone had a, a pool noodle was chasing me and I was like, oh, I got this epic getaway. So I'm going to run and I'm going to jump from that trampoline to that box to that box. It's going to uh, be super sweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was running pretty quick and I fell from like a fairly high height and I fell with my hand in the same position as Merritt told me not to. And so I dislocated my elbow and that was a fun experience. So actually what happened there, you mentioned, hey, did you do anything else that was more physical outside of CrossFit was I started running because I couldn't really do anything with my yeah. upper body with yeah. my silly arm. Uh, so I started running and that was, that was a big thing for me for that year was, uh, I just wanted to, I just wanted to run. This was something I could do. So when were you like, when did that injury heal? I would say that there was a big turnaround for me in 2000, end of 2011. Okay. early 2012. I mean, it's tough to really pinpoint it specifically, but it was, sure. it was around then. And so, so let's fast forward then and yeah. talk about like more of the competitive side of CrossFit. For sure. So there was a time where you got a little bit more competitive. That's right. <laughs> when, uh, when would that have been? Okay. Yeah. So after basically after that year when my elbow had healed, that's when I decided to go back to university. And so that's where I enrolled at Western for, for kinesiology. And so it was at that time that I also found hybrid. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's, and that's when I think the competitiveness really, really started. So basically Merritt and I, along with Tommy started CrossFit hybrid competitive. Uh, and that was, you know, a little bit of a, a little bit of a transition over time. It was going to be, you know, a, a competitive outlet, but yeah. not a CrossFit affiliate. Then it became a CrossFit affiliate. And that is when, uh, that's when we met actually. Yeah. So what that would have been in 20, 2012, 2013, 2013. That sounds about right. I'm happy, yeah. you know, our friend anniversary, our friend anniversary. <laughs> How could I forget? It's, <laughs> it's tattooed on my chest. <laughs> Perfect. I've got it on my butt cheek. 
yeah, so that's when we really started to become competitive because you have to understand at that point, hybrid had a strength and conditioning program. And so the CrossFit program came to be a competitive outlet. Yeah. So it was competitive focused. It was for people who wanted to compete yeah. because at the time through CrossFit London and then just through that journey, we had accumulated a good amount of people who were interested in not only competing at the local level, but also at the regional level. And you of course have to understand that the regional level then was a lot different than it is now. That's right. Well, I guess well, regional doesn't exist. Yeah. yeah, It existed. That was yeah. a big difference. Um, so that would probably be like the height of your competitive CrossFit is when you went to regionals on a team in which year? I, I actually don't know. Was it 2014? I want to say it was 2014 that we went. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it was 2015. I don't know. I lean more towards 2014. We've like got the shirt. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's 2014. We'll take a look. Yeah. And obviously it was very different back then. Like the biggest thing we had for us that we had. Um, so it was teams of six. That's right. Three, three guys, three girls. Yeah. And the, I think all of our girls were actually able to do muscle ups. Yeah. And that was like a big thing. Like there was, was so many teams at regionals where like the, the, some of the men, some of the ladies couldn't do muscle ups. And that was like a, a big limiting factor. So that's why we were pretty lucky. Yeah. And the girls were stronger than me. So <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. Nothing's changed. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. I, I don't know why this comes to mind, but I just think like, cause we competed a lot. In that's various, right we still do we we still throw down quite a <laughs> weekly. bit weekly weekly we say we don't we're like oh yeah we're just doing this for yeah, fun it's just fun it's never fun no um but the one competition i think i might have talked about this with someone else already was a ug series comp mm. fall something maybe yeah the fall series and i remember it was just like piss and rain outside and then there was the heavy clean Oh, do you great. remember this oh of course it yeah. was just on like it on was a all, wooden platform on a wooden platform on a field that field got super screwed up from yep. all the weights being dropped on it but i remember like it was wet so wet and so cold and we're clean like a max clean was it a max double or a max single <laughs> i kind of think it was a max double i thought it was a max double as well and it was it I wasn't remember, I, but i don't know i don't i don't think it was touch and go maybe it was a single yeah maybe it was a single. i feel like it was a single it was you and jimmy Right, and it was me and Merck. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> I think it was like me, Jimmy, Brooke. I can't remember. Yeah, uh, yeah. It was. It was. I mean, it was a fun comp. But yeah. I mean, we look back on that. And that was like it's super sketchy. Oh my gosh! I super remember sketchy. trying to figure out the chalk too. Like you couldn't put chalk. People had like the the liquid chalk. Nothing. Like nothing was working. You just hook grip. Hook grip. If and you pray. didn't, if you didn't have hook grip at that point, and a lot of people did not. Oh yeah. Yep. Uh, because that was before we went to regionals 2013. So there wasn't, oh, was that before regionals? I think it was before. I'm pretty sure it was. Okay. And so at that point there was like Olympic lifting was starting to be a bigger thing. Yeah. Cause it was a pretty big thing at the gym when we were running the program. Yeah. But still, there was a lot of people who were cleaning and jerking and are clean and jerking and then also snatching without hook grip. Yeah. And so there were certainly some bars dropped. Yeah. There's no question. Yeah. I don't know if there were any major injuries. I do know. I, I remember that they shut so. down the last event because of the rain. They're like, okay, this is a little bit oh, ridiculous. Like we probably shouldn't do pull-ups. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Remember we did these random miscellaneous tasks. It was supposed to be like this big wall ball pull-up workout, but they're like, yeah, we probably shouldn't do well, pull-ups pull on the rig yeah it ended up being like some handstand walking challenge i can't even remember those. i don't remember i don't know all i remember was the cleans 
thinking like this is the most hardcore thing I've ever done. And the salmon ladder. That was the first time I tried a salmon ladder. I don't even remember the salmon ladder. Yeah, my had, thing, the thing that comes to my mind that if Jimmy's listening will will probably ring true to him was the run. I remember the run. It was obviously raining. It was up some muddy hill. Yeah. And what it was was you ran with your team. Yes, that's right. And your whole team had to pass the finish, finish line. So we had basically a group of runners. Jimmy was not necessarily <laughs> a runner. We love him. He did good on the clean. He, he did killed, really well he on killed the clean. He killed the clean. And so I just remember he killed, like he did really well. Yeah. Uh, I, I have this recollection because he did so well, but I remember like we were just behind him, like basically pushing him through. We, I, yeah. the, that event was one of the best events that we had surprisingly. Yeah. Yeah. No, I remember that. Um, just because we brought up regionals, I'm sure like there's actually people that kind of want to hear about the regionals experience. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it was, uh, it was fun. I remember like I was pretty competitive at the time and like, not that I went in with like, yeah, I got this. But like, I think if we were to compare ourselves back then, you would have been like, okay, Isaac has a bit more skill in some of these areas. So there were some workouts where I was like, all right, I'm going to be like, I'm going to help our team out here. And I remember it destroyed me. Like that whole regionals just killed me. Luke was like the star for us, Luke and Merck. Cause I remember the one workout that was, it was 135 pound thrusters, which was like very heavy for the time. That's body weight for me. And was it that in rope climbs or that in no, yeah, no, there was definitely rope climbs. I'm just trying to think. Yeah. So I think it was, it was a bunch of rope it was climbs, a bunch of thrusters first. Yes. You couldn't put the barbell down. <laughs> and so we all, so you and I know where this is going, but yeah, we couldn't put the barbell down. So you Merck and I, uh, cause it was guys and gals. Yeah. Basically had to do X amount of thrusters and pass it off. I think whenever we wanted. Yeah, but we had a strategy. Of like course, we, we had a predetermined rep scheme. So I was like, I'm going to do five, you do five. That's right. Merck does five. But realistically, what it probably was, was like, I do five, you do five, Merck does 10 because he was a beast. That's, that's right. Uh, but I remember you, of course, passing it to me. Okay, so before that, though. Yes. I just, because when we talk about a strategy, that's one of the things that I, like, I game all workouts. Like, I go in with a strategy and I'll execute on it. So I remember I was the one that was big on like, all right, guys, we're going to do sets of five. And the biggest thing is when you pass it off, or if you're not going to do five and you're going to pass it off, you have to communicate. Like you need to give the other person a heads up or it's just going to screw up the whole workout. Like I was adamant on it. And then I'm so happy that you told that story because I forgot that part. It was a key part. And then you just chucked the barbell at us (laughs) or at me rather. I just remember expecting this amazing legitimate pass off that was going to be immaculate after you, you gave us that speech. Yeah. And, and it was literally, I think every time, I don't know if it's just a joke that has come to tradition, but you were just like, I'm sorry. (laughs) Just chucking the barbell at me. It was very true. I remember apologizing each time. Like, man, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Just take it from me. I can't hold it anymore. It was, it was bad. It was, bad i actually remember that workout though because i remember getting to the rope climb portion and thinking like i'm gonna destroy this like i'm a diver i can climb yeah. the rope yep because that's one of the things that we do and uh <laughs> i was just so excited i was too excited yeah so if any of you who are listening have done a workout where you go way too hot too soon <laughs> andrew de coke if you're listening <laughs> to every workout um that's essentially how i felt uh and it, i guess the negative detriment was that i tried to go too fast so it ended up slowing me down because i just wasn't actually consistent yeah. with the technique whereas like you just really need to be slow and fast or uh, slow and smooth a lot of times what was your best workout during that regional well I, it I, wasn't the snatch workout 
Yeah, that was scary. I know that was super scary. I remember warming up and I couldn't hit a single attempt at what I wanted to open at, which wasn't a big opener for me at the time. I mean, it would be a massive opener. It's not something that I've done in a long time. <laughs> it was 185. Yeah, and I couldn't hit it, but I did. Uh, and I think that's all that I hit. I don't think that I went up. I we think I just missed it. We'll get tw- did we two attempts or you three? Had two, you know, so you had two attempts. I yeah. remember I went first at 175 and then Merck went at 185, failed. You yeah. went at 185, failed. I'm like, okay, great. This is going to happen. So yeah. then I hit 185, then you hit 185, and then Merck hit 185. That's right. And then yeah. it was the max handstand walk. Yes. Where like you just saw spinal fluid shooting out of everybody's yeah. back. Yep. And uh, that's one big thing that happened to me too was like just spending a lot of time in that spinal fluid snapping <laughs> position uh that really first bothered my my back that's another story so it wasn't that workout uh it would be you know what comes to my mind is the pull-up overhead squat workout that was the last one yeah and it's i don't it's i don't know that if that it's was my best one i just remember it was i, I never really did pull-ups or butterfly pull-ups rather yeah I was always someone who, who did a lot of kipping yeah. and I do kipping now. I don't do butterfly. You know this. Yeah. But back then I was making a transition to butterfly and I think it was like a breakthrough day for yeah. me. It was the first time that I was really able to string together a lot of butterflies. And obviously we know that they're so much faster and the overhead squat was heavy. It was only seven. It was something like 49 pull-ups and seven overhead squats or something silly. It was, it was yeah. a lot of pull-ups. Yeah, it was. And the overhead squat was 185. Yeah. But you had to pick it up off the ground. You had to pick it up off the ground. And so that... I just felt like I moved through that in a better way. Oh, but we of course have to talk about. Well, that was it. That was your best workout. The <laughs> yeah. one that we're going to talk about next. I guess that was probably my best workout. It made the most sense. A hundred percent. You guys hammered that workout. Yes, that, that's right. So it was. Do you remember what it was? Yes, it was a chipper. It was yeah. a chipper, and it was like a male and female partner. Yeah. And it was uh, a deadlift. No, I think it started with row. It started with row double under. So That's one partner right. rows. Yes. I think, I don't know what the distance will say 50 cals. The other partner has to do 200 double unders. I'm, I'm butchering this workout, but it was something like that. Yep. Then you finish. That's right. And you go to heavy deadlifts. Yes. And it was, let's just say 50 total. Yep. When one person is deadlifting, the other person is holding the bar. Oh, so good. And it was 275 for the male. It was a heavy deadlift. And what was wow. it for the female? Would it have been like, I think it, if I, th- uh, Maybe 205, whatever 70% of 270. I feel like it'd be 205 or 250. That seems heavy. 185 maybe 185 maybe? would be yeah. yeah more appropriate. And then when you're done that, you do toast to bar. And I think let's just say it was 50 toast to bar. Was there something before that? Was there like a box jump or something? I felt like there was four movements. Maybe. That's fine. So you do toast to bar in the same way that you do deadlift. And that one person does a toe to bar. The other person's hanging from the bar. That's right. And I remember when we tested this workout out, it was like... Yeah, we're going to hammer this. Destroy it. So you guys. We went first and we, yeah, we, we, pay, I think we went first. Yeah, I think you. And we, we paved the way. Yeah, I think you got first in our heat. Yeah. Like, well, you were leading We were first, yeah, first to the bar. And then it was finish. Merck and Alley and like, yeah. they killed it. Yeah, they did. And, and then it was Merritt and I. Yes. And double unders, sweet, unbroken, probably the both of us. Then we got to the deadlifts. Deadlifts was fine. Like Merritt and I, if people who are listening to this may know me, I'm small. People who know Merritt, Merritt's very small as well. So like when it comes to a heavy deadlift, that was pretty rough, but like we crushed it. Yeah. Range of motions there for you guys. It was great. But then I remember in training, we were excited to get to the toast of barks. I'm like 50, let's just do it on broken. Let's just go freaking 25, 25, boom, kill well, it. 
Well, yeah, especially at that time, you were strong. Like you always have been, have been strong, especially yeah. for your size. Um, and but you guys were really skilled. Yeah, yeah. You and Merritt were really skilled. So Tota Bar was just like, well, why wouldn't we anchor with you guys? That's right. So we were very excited. And I remember getting to the Toaster Bar, and I don't. Well, I not that I don't know. I know it was because my grip was smashed from yeah. the heavy deadlifts that like I couldn't. I could not hold on to the bar. I was doing like the goal would have been probably to do five five so you're hanging do five whatever um and i couldn't like i was dropping off and then there's obviously a bit of a video on on my instagram and i'm sure it's on some crossfit bloopers out there where it was on my very last or my last two reps i did the toe to bar so merit is hanging and then i dropped down and like it looks like merit is yelling all sorts of nice things to me <laughs> to get back up so like I get back up, keep in mind, this is the very last rep. Like this is some movie type stuff. Yeah. And I remember kicking up, missing the bar and falling straight on my back. But the best part is if you're hearing the announcer, the announcer's like, and CrossFit hybrid competitive has one rep. Let's, let's cheer them on. Go, go. And all of a sudden, oh my goodness. <laughs> the whole crowd is like, oh, um, and then I got up, finished the rep and I think we got like second last or last on that workout. Well, in our heat anyways, I, I, I think Merritt stayed on the bar. She did. And just looked at you and told you to get up. hundred <laughs> percent. It was, oh, there was a little bit of disconcern on her face or concern on her face, but I'm pretty sure she little. was just like, let's go. Yeah. Like, we have a, we have a workout to finish. Oh man. Yeah. I remember going to the, oh, what was the tape company called? Oh, oh rock, rock tape. Thank you. Rock tape, which yeah. was like new at the time and so big i don't know if they exist oh, still I yeah i remember the story and i, I remember going there because like I, we had the pull-up workout next and i'm like okay i gotta get my hands taped up and like my forearms taped up obviously that's what you do back in the day oh yeah so i remember to go i go and get my my stuff taped and they're like yeah dude you really need to make sure you uh you like take care of your grip right now i don't know if you saw some guy fell off the bar and i'm like <laughs> what an idiot <laughs> Yeah, I do remember that. That yeah. was that was funny, and that 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 floated around the internet for for quite a while. There's definitely a, a, a GIF. I, I Is was that the right word. GIF? Yeah, yeah, I was a GIF for about yeah forty eight hours. We should uh, you, probably longer than that. We should probably attach the GIF to this. <laughs> now nah, nah, we have to do it because I've said uh, it just for yeah. the sake of you. Sure, that's fine. We'll bring it back. <laughs> um, okay, cool. So. We're definitely not going to be talking about nutrition today because this is already going pretty long. But that's okay because we don't want to talk about nutrition. <laughs> yeah. It's just Pringles, ice cream sandwiches. Yeah. Just Ben and Jerry's and Haagen-Dazs. Yeah. yeah. No, it's live. It's Oak. not all. Yeah. In live. Oak, that's right. <laughs> um, but I did want to talk about one other bit, which is so you transition from CrossFit to more of this like OPT OPEX style training. What, like, why did you make that shift? That is a good question. So after regionals is actually when I started working with an OPEX coach, Mike Lee. And I worked with him because one of, one of the, the local or one of the used to be local athletes, Callan Aldred, uh, was working with him. And I think that's one of the places that I first heard about OPEX was through him. He worked with a coach. He saw amazing results. He was doing training that was different than anything else that anyone else was doing. Yeah. So I think that was my first, first allure with it. For me personally, I was always about personal development too and being able to really hone my craft. And so 
I had heard from Callan that the program design and assessment course that OPEX offers was another level in terms of guidance and actually giving you real tangible tools as a coach to employ. So I wanted to partner it. I wanted to do the program design course and the assessment. And I, as a person, have always been about working with different coaches throughout my, my athletic and fitness career because it made sense to me. Number one, because I, I, I always wanted to be the best and, and really dial in what I was doing. But at the same time, if I was going to be teaching people and coaching people, I wanted to have other experiences to draw on because it's not just about certifications, obviously. So I started working with Mike Lee. Mike Lee. I worked with him for nine months. And at the same time, I went through and did the program design course. And it's, I mean, it revolutionized my coaching philosophy and methodologies in a big way yeah. uh, and really, really changed the way that I started programming for, at the time, uh, CrossFit Hybrid Competitive. Yeah, that's right. So, so you did the program design. Yeah, but, so there's a there's an entire CCP course, coaching certificate program, I think is what it stands for, a course that they offer, like a full level one. At the time... It was a big financial investment. It wasn't something that I wanted to dabble in. It, okay, so here's what it's like. It's like generally when think about, people think about making big changes from a, from a fitness perspective, they think, okay, I have to go to the gym. They don't necessarily look at nutrition. Yeah. Uh, and like, which is, you know, 85% of the, the, the equation for most people. Uh, so I was kind of the same way. I was like, well, I want to do this program design course. I'm not actually going to do the nutrition module, the yeah, lifestyle yeah, yeah. module, the business systems module, because <laughs> that's not the important stuff. I want to know how to program design yeah. and assess people, which after doing the full level one course years later, found out that that was a very important part of it uh, and really pieced together as a whole. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was, a, it was a great course. Uh, it, it really revolutionized the way that I coached, as I mentioned. And, and I think, and I think a lot of people started seeing that, but I think the biggest thing for me was I started feeling better. Yeah. Uh, the intention of the workouts became more focused, uh, a lot more progressive, uh, not to say that we were random, random workouts before, but there was just a lot more thought and process that was going into the creation of these workouts that we were writing for the gym. You knew the whys. It wasn't just like, hey, we're doing 100 burpees for time today. Exactly. It was much more focused. And I think for those of you who know uh, what OPEX is and follow James Fitzgerald, uh, he does a lot of specific energy system work. And so mm -hmm. when it came to actually developing the aerobic system and the anaerobic system and its different engines, I started to be able to give people more direction, more specific direction, and really dial into, as you mentioned, the whys of, of everything versus just throwing random things together. That's right. That's right. That's really cool. And that's, uh, OPEX is a program that we talked about in Will's podcast as well. So Will's going through that as well. So it's, it is something that we really agree with here at movement strength. So not to like, I don't, my, my intention is not to bash CrossFit, but, um, what are your thoughts on CrossFit versus more of like a traditional strength and conditioning program? Like I think at times, there's no hiding this. If you look at our programming versus a lot of traditional CrossFit programming, what is the big difference and why do you prefer the way we do it? It's a, that's an excellent question. It's a big one. So I would say, and of course, for those of you who don't know, when you're in a, when you're a CrossFit affiliate, all that you have is their name. Yeah. They're not giving you any kind of turnkey solution and, and they're not really giving you an answer for program design. I will be one to argue that, the level one CrossFit certification and level two CrossFit certification have been uh, pillars for me when it comes to actually teaching people movements and breaking down movements and seeing and cueing and correcting. Will said the same thing. 
Yeah, people joke that it's a weekend course, but it's a solid weekend course. It is really, really, really good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's a reason why, as a, in, instead of just you know renewing my level one, I wanted to do the level two uh, because it was really good when it comes to that stuff. Because I think what CrossFit, like when you think about CrossFit H- HQ, uh, like the headquarters, not every other affiliate in the world, but what they do a really good job at is defining movement standards and teaching really, really good movement. And so that's amazing. I love that part about CrossFit. Where I think that they fail is in program design. Mm-hmm. They do not give people um, a really good structured layout on how to program design. Like if you think about the OPEX program design course and the assessment modules, that took me probably months to go through and, 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 and complete. Uh, and then if you think about the fact that there's an exam and there is a practical. case study practical yeah. afterwards, I mean, it was a big chunk. Okay. The CrossFit level two program design segment was like an hour long. So it's just like, what, what are they really giving people? And for those of you who are, you know, who know more traditional CrossFit, they are constantly varied high intensity functional movement, which is fine. That's, that's their thing. But I think what ends up happening is a lot of the times the workouts are just a little bit more randomized. There's not as much progression. Uh, and so that would be, I think, the biggest difference. Yeah. We here at the gym use functional movements, right? We use the varying intensities because we do not believe that high intensity is something that should be executed on a daily basis. That's why we have specific energy systems days where we're working on the aerobic system, whether that's aerobic power and we're going harder or that's like aerobic, like low threshold aerobic and we're going at, you know, 60% of your aerobic capacity. And then of course the anaerobic or the really, really hard stuff, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get in the mix as well. But generally we think about, you know, breaking up programming into cycles, into blocks, into phases and so during those phases, we're doing things that you might see at other CrossFit affiliates. It's just that they're in a more progressive way because we believe that there's a time and a place to do certain intensities as well as certain movements. Mm-hmm. So like right now, you'll see that the open just finished. And so we're focusing on more strength and hypertrophy and building up foundation for people rather than throwing high skills at them. Um, because again, we go through phases of training and we want to make sure that we're keeping people safe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're moving in them in, we're moving them in the best possible direction. And so I think that progression component and the cycling of different styles of training like Olympic lifting and the higher skill stuff like kim- kipping gymnastics and tota bar uh, has a time and a place in our gym for certain people. And then of course, you know this that there are scales available for those people who maybe don't have that competitive aspiration mm-hmm. or for those people who aren't ready for those skills yet. And then I think that's another big thing. When you have a good CrossFit affiliate, those affiliates, those coaches are excellent at modifying movements. But the fact of the matter is because CrossFit doesn't actually provide you a turnkey solution, they just provide you this weekend course that is excellent, but it doesn't necessarily mean you're ready to like run a program and run a gym. Yep. Yep. So I think that would be kind of the biggest differentiation piece uh, or bit, as you would say now, (laughs) that uh that we have here at movement strength when it comes to our programming yeah yeah and even things like something i feel that you were you've always sort of preached was um like there's certain strengths that you need to have before you do certain skills so like no one has you don't really have any business doing kipping pull-ups if you can't do a standard pull-up yeah, that's right. And multiple standard pull-ups. And there are, of course, other markers like shoulder stability that you should have before doing a kipping pull-up. And I think that's the thing about CrossFit is that when people really get into it, it is really fun. 
right? And people do want to, that's right. We're all like this, like human nature is we want to have things before we're ready for them, right? When in reality, and I know Will probably said this in, a, in his podcast, I haven't listened to it yet, but I know that he stands by this, which is we need to put in the work before we do these things, mm-hmm. right? Like we need to have three strict pull ups or five strict pull ups. Uh, and, and have these really good shoulder stability uh, and scapular strength measures uh, and have the fa- those foundationals before we get into pull-ups. And that takes time. That yeah. takes a lot of time to develop. And I think, you know, what happens is that people just get a little bit too excited. But, like, you shouldn't be doing your first kipping pull-up before your first trick pull-up. Yeah. Right? That should happen after. And what that means for that person is that the longevity of their fitness uh, in their training and their exercise will be much longer because yeah. I think that's the point, right? We've talked about this before. I yeah. don't care if someone can work out for six weeks with us or even four months with us. I want to make sure that we're laying a plan and a foundation for people so that they can train with us uh, or train on their own for, for years for their, for their life. And that's what we're trying to find, I think is a lifestyle. And so our approach and how we integrate these movements and how we progress people into them is, is, is reflective of that. It's funny. I've, I've been doing some reflecting, even just thinking of like our business. Cause Luke, myself and Will are all co-owners of movement strength. Um, same thing with fitness. The goal isn't to win at fitness. The goal is to just stay in the fitness game as long as you can. And fitness in quotations is different for everybody. It's not doing kipping pull-ups and handstand pushups. For some people, it's walking on a treadmill or being able to play with your kids. Like it's going to be different for every single individual, but it is something that I've noticed when people first started coming here, they noticed that this isn't, oh, like this isn't your standard or this isn't a CrossFit gym. Like why, like why are we not doing high volume Olympic weightlifting? Why am I not allowed to do kipping pull-ups? And it's like, well, because your shoulder blade is going to fall right off. Like you're going to be injured and then it's going to be one step forward. 30 steps back. So I think the biggest thing that we have to do, and we do this in a lot of our consultations is talk people off the ledge and let them know what they will actually be experiencing at our gym and to not just paint it with the same brush as every other, you know, older school CrossFit gym out there. And I think CrossFit is getting a lot better. And I talked about this with Jade, her podcast will be coming out shortly if it's not out already. Um, which is like, CrossFit before when we were more into it was very competitive focused. Like there was, you had, there was CrossFit hybrid competitive that would never exist now because they know that's not a sustainable model. You have to market to the general public and a hardcore program isn't doing that. So they are a lot more general now where they have like the video of like the older individuals standing up off the couch with blue little water bottles and I know a lot of older school CrossFit people are pooping on that, but like, that's what they should be doing. That's how they grow as a brand. And that's how like these CrossFit gyms actually stay in business. Yeah. And I agree. And I, and I will defend CrossFit again, CrossFit HQ. So if we think of kind of, I guess the mother of all CrossFits, HQ, 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 HQ. <laughs> so they do a really good job because they're creating those videos. They're trying to make it more about yeah. the general public. Yep. It's of course, again, where there's not direction at the affiliate level. And so you have these different affiliates who are doing whatever they want based on their philosophies and their principles. And we know now that there's thousands of affiliates around the world. So 
you get this reputation of what CrossFit is and, and, and rightly so from those affiliates and what, sure. and what a majority of them are doing. So yeah. when you see, of course, someone like Isaac falling off of this, uh, of this rig, cause he's doing total bar, you're like, you label that as, well, there's a typical CrossFit. That's thing. right. hundred percent. When you see someone, this is actually interesting. When you see someone doing like an Olympic weightlifting movement and they might actually be doing Olymp- Olymp- Olympic weightlifting you're like, oh, there's a typical CrossFitter like yeah. messing up. Right. Yeah. And so I think that there's like these preconceptions and notions of like what CrossFit actually is. And so, yeah, a lot of times as an affiliate, when someone comes into your doors, they'll have those, those notions and, and, and preconceptions. Uh, and so I think that there's potential for, you know, um, the top level CrossFit HQ to be better at dispersing that, but without actually having that kind of like turnkey solution, something like OPEX has, um, it's just so loose. Yeah. Yeah, it's such a low barrier to entry to, to, to have a CrossFit gym, right? That's right. Yeah. And I mean, I think the goal at the end of the day is like, we just want to help as many people out as possible. And whatever program is going to allow us to do that is the program that we want to utilize. Yeah, of course. Keep people safe and healthy and and consistent, like you said, coming three times a week for forever versus, you know, getting too excited coming eight times a week and yeah burning out, blowing out their shoulder blade because they wanted to do kipping pull-ups too quick. So yeah. yeah, slow, slow and steady. Not everyone wants to hear that, but if we think about what, how we train now, right? The two of us, obviously, uh, and our coaches, I think that we take a very different approach than we used to. For sure. Uh, I don't know why, but do you remember the movie grumpy old men? I don't know if you <laughs> ever saw it. I don't know why, but I feel like that's us right now. We're just these very wise, old <laughs> wise, CrossFit yes, wise. individuals. Still in the game. I mean, I remember it was performance at all costs, right? And and we didn't necessarily have the same balance and direction that we have now. And so it because it was performance at all costs, it meant that I was injured all the time. Yeah. Uh and so I think in the past two years, uh, I've probably done better at the open level than I ever have. And what's I think cool, especially about this year, because I think this year I took it more seriously than I have in a really, really long time was I wasn't injured going through. Yeah. Which yep. is crazy. Like yep. to, for me to go through a six month prep for the open, then go through the actual open and have, you know, maybe some little nagging things that come up, but nothing major that ever sidelined me or, or made me stop training. Uh, and, and, and by not, by nature frustrated me, uh, that was like a big transition for me. And that's just a byproduct of our mentality and how we approach and how we approach fitness now, because we know that it's not about getting every single kipping muscle up in the world. It's about consistency. And, and obviously we have different priorities, right? Like I have my kids and and my wife and we have the business to run. And so where I put my time and energy is obviously in a different and is in a different vessel than what it used to be as well. So that's a big difference as well. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we both have some pretty good aha moments during the open. Like this is the first time I think I went through an open where like I got to that heavier barbell for whatever the clean and jerk was. Yeah. You had two and a half minutes left. And I'm like, I have no business trying to hit this weight right now. And like old Isaac, even just last year would have been like, let's do it. Let's destroy my body. I know. And and there's not doing it. And I was so proud of myself. And I was proud of you too. Cause I (laughs) was like, I think I loaded the barbell for you. (laughs) Two and a half minutes left. He's, he's putting his (laughs) belt on. I'm I'm like, I think he's ready to go. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and then you were like, no, it's not a smart call. And I'm like, you're probably right, but are you sure you don't want to do it? <laughs> you're such an old man now yeah. God, making these kind of calls. <laughs> yeah. So proud of myself. So, so proud. Um, okay, cool. So we 
we went a little bit long, but I think this is an important topic, especially because I think people want to hear a little bit more about like the whys behind programming. Why are you smirking? Oh, that's just so weird to me that you and I had a conversation that, that didn't finish on time. It's, it's very strange <laughs> for, for, for people who are like, what are they talking about? Uh, Luke, it's impossible for Luke and I to have a quick Congo convo. We use like voice, what's it called? Voice text. Voice not, text. Is it voice text? I mean, well, the voice little memos on. Yeah, the it's, it's not app. voice to text. It's an actual voice that you send. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so even, voice memo, I think, is the right word. Even those, I'm fairly certain, are meant to be like quick little snippets. Yeah, I send you two, three minute. <laughs> there was one where sometimes I'm fine, and then other times he'll send me one that's like two and a half minutes. And I'm like, Luke. This is two and a half minutes. I have to keep my phone open. If I leave the app, it starts from the beginning. Like this isn't efficient at all. But it's better than before. A month ago, me, you, and Will always used to send videos. Yes. Which was nice, but I don't know if you've looked at how much space that took up on your messaging app. <laughs> no, I have no idea. Dude, so the Will, Isaac, and uh, the Will, Isaac, Luke iMessage that I have. Yeah. It's like 10 gigs. Oh my God. <laughs> it's huge. All 4K video. No wonder I keep having to update my iCloud storage. 100%, man. It's those. But I would rebuttal and say, well, sending you a two minute voice memo is better than getting on the phone with you because we know that will turn into a 20 minute conversation. It's true. So it's true. Both of our wives would agree as well. Oh, yeah. If they're listening, they're like, oh, yeah, that's exactly what they do. <laughs> By the way, true. shouldn't you be home right now? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Brooke. We're shooting this at uh, 7 a.m. <laughs> while he's not supposed to be at home. Oh, boy. Oh, uh, that's cool. That's cool. Um, is there anything else you want to touch about, touch on from like a programming standpoint? No, I think we, I think we covered it in probably more detail <laughs> than we needed to. Um, yeah. My plan was even to just take snippets of this afterwards and use it as almost like its own separate podcast because I think the programming bit we may not find or we may not think that our members find it interesting but i bet you they would yeah they would definitely want to hear it yeah i could see that for sure yeah okay um well we didn't really talk nutrition because in standard luke and isaac fashion yeah we spent an hour talking about fitness that's right so we'll have to have you back on for nutrition i want to do one with me you and will that would be good and just like no like no direction just if anything, I'm not even going to tell us that it's a podcast. I'm be like, all right, here's the iPhone. <laughs> Let's just have a conversation. No, that's really good. I, I, I would, I'd be definitely down for that. Because another thing is, as you know, we obviously didn't talk about nutrition, but nutrition supplementation, I think, was a big part of why my training has been so different in the past mm -hmm. year. And then, of course, uh, as people already know, because you've told them I do have my vices. Yes. Yes, you do. Hagen, so do I. Hagen Doss ice cream. So, <laughs> we all do. We all do. I was thinking this the other day. Damn it. See, I always do this. This is like where we're going to end and then we talk for another 30 minutes. Yeah, this is exactly this what is we another classic. do. Yeah. yeah, it's a classic LI, Luke and Isaac. Um, we, like, you've actually been really ahead of trends with a lot of nutrition things as well. Intermittent fasting. I don't know if it was called that, but remember back at Hybrid? Yeah. Where we did it. This was Hybrid on the Mound. That's right. And... Uh, was it eat, stop, eat? It was something like that. Ooh. And I then I remember Bulletproof Coffee. Yeah. Like way back in the day. Yep. So. Yeah, I was definitely playing around with intermittent fasting and Bulletproof Coffee. A long, uh, a time, long ago. time ago. Yeah. And I remember my first story. And then we're, we have to end this. Uh, you told me about Bulletproof Coffee. That's right. And I'm you, like. Yeah, you probably pooped on it. I'm like, I got to. No, no, I don't oh. think I did. Do you remember this? Well, 
I mean, there was a little bit of foreshadowing there in my comment, maybe. No, 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 no. no. Well, no, kind yeah. of. So I remember you were like, yeah, it's like you put like butter and you put, what is it? Butter. So and it was, was grass fed butter. MCT and, oil. And MCT oil and cinnamon. You got to blend it yeah, so it emulsifies. So good, man. Put it in your coffee. I'm like, okay, sweet. So I remember I, I go home and I'm like, oh, I don't have any butter. I'm like, oh, I have margarine. That's the same oh, thing. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> and I remember, I don't know why I did it. And I'm like, yeah, I'll just use, because I don't ever use butter. And I don't know why I had margarine. It was probably from the early 90s, but it was just in And it was probably still perfect. It was still perfect. Yeah. So I remember like, I'll just do a scoop of that. And I'm like, Luke, dude, this stuff is, I don't know what it is. It's a liquid. It's a laxative. I don't know. It just went right through me. There you go. See, foreshadowing with my comment. Yeah. Horrible. Anyways, that'll be a topic for another another podcast. Um, So we will do another one of these shortly. Thank you for, for hopping on today, Luke, taking an hour out of your time. Oh, great. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. It's always fun chatting with you. That's right. That's right. Uh, as always, if you guys enjoyed the podcast, make sure you give us a, a little five-star rating, subscribe. This is, this helps us get to the top of iTunes. I screw this up every time. Every time. You'll, get it. You'll get it eventually. One, one day I'll get it. Uh, yeah. Talk yeah, to Dalton. Talk, talk to Dalton. <laughs> Anyways, guys, thanks so much for listening. Have the best day ever, and we'll talk soon. Bye.